Are you ready to rewind? Take a nostalgia-filled ride back to a simpler time. It's Acid Wash Memories, a retro pop culture celebration. And now your hosts, Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 32 of Acid Washed Memories, a retro pop culture celebration. Today, we're talking all about Super Mario Brothers 2. My name is Joe Morata, joined, of course, by Michael Quinn. Hello there, Michael. Hi. Dose. Dose. Here we Super go. Super Mario Dose. Super Mario Dose. Folks, what is that? Well, thank you guys for having a dose of uh, your retro pop culture. Mm-hmm. But that, we'll start with that one first and foremost. Thank you guys for being here. We're going to be talking about Super Mario 2 and also Super Mario 2 uh, very yeah. shortly here. That, Bef- that's why I asked, what is that? Because which one are you talking about? Depends on where you're listening from, yeah. perhaps. Thank you guys so much for being here. If this happens to be your first time, I want to remind you that we do have 31 other episodes available where, Quinn? In the archives. In the archives. And one of those episodes, by the way, is Super Mario Brothers 1, and we actually go into the history of how we got to that game. Donkey Kong and Mario Brothers and yeah. even Wrecking Crew is mentioned. Yeah, you might you might want to turn this one off, listen to that one first, because yeah. this, this, this is part dose. This is part dose. So, And obviously, if it's not your first time, you know the routine around here. And one way or another, be sure to follow us on X or Twitter or whatever it is uh, these days when how you're listening. How long do you think the X is going to last? I, I feel like people are, people are taking bets now. There's got to be something in Vegas about this. Oh, you think so? Oh, yeah. Odds makers, huh? This, this is not going to work. Well, people we'll are still out. calling it Twitter. Well, even though it says com? X all over it. You go like, to the website, it's still Twitter.com. No, it, you can go to X.com, too. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Uh, but you can, folks. Whatever you do, with no judgments here, just follow us, please. <laughs> you can also join our Facebook group, uh, Acid Wash Memories, on Facebook. It's a useful place for Facebook. Mm-hmm. You don't have to argue with your uncle about politics on there. You can just yeah. talk to us about old video you games. You also don't have to type F.com to get no, there. No, it's not F.com or FB.com. Yeah. Just go to our Facebook. It is Acid Wash Memories on Facebook. And that is that. Okay. All the preambles out of the way. We did it all. We did it all. So I want to remind you guys that, uh, again, Mario 1, we covered extensively or did our best to and the lead up to it. And where we left off in that Super Mario Brothers 1 episode was a very successful game. So before we talk entirely about Super Mario 2, I do want to preface this, Quinn, by saying uh, Super Mario Brothers 2, the United States version, right? Yes. The oddball of the series. (laughs) You betcha. The sore thumb. But yet it was immensely successful. And uh, in fact, so much so, Quinn, that it was the fifth best selling NES game ever. That makes sense. I would think anything in the Mario sphere, right, would be the best selling. It is only behind Super Mario 1 and Duck Hunt, which are both pack-ins, obviously. Super Mario 3, which also had a stint as a pack-in, and Tetris, which also had a stint as a pack-in. Yes, it's even ahead of The Legend of Zelda. That's interesting. Yes, it is. And Metroid, too. And Metroid, and all the other classics. But you know what the best part of it? It wasn't even originally the sequel. Yes. That it, is the best part. That is some the story other we're telling. thing. It was some yes. other thing. But I gotta say, Quinn, pardon the pun coming up, I love the game warts and all. <laughs> Your thoughts on this game, Super Mario 2? When I eventually got to play, because like I, I played the Super Nintendo remake of it, man, I was like, "What the hell is this?" Really? Um, and it felt more of a curiosity. I've never thought it was even close to one of the better ones in the series. To be fair, really, yeah, I, I don't. I think even some later ones are better than it. 
Polarizing game. Yeah. It is, honestly. Some people share your sentiments, and some are like, no, this is a great game. I guess I stand with there's a reason they never, like, followed up with the, like, picking up things. Like, they never tried to, like, make their own version of that because this isn't even their own version of that. In a sense, it's really not. Yeah. We're going to tell that story, folks. We want to know what you think of Super Mario Bros. 2. You can, of course, do that on Twitter X or on Facebook. But before we get started, Quinn... What is a sequel? A sequel is the second of something that's good, <laughs> usually. Okay. Um, the old saying goes is the sequel is never as good as the original. Ooh. However, there are exceptions such as Terminator 2. <laughs> Godfather 2, Godfather some would say. Godfather 2, some would say, and very many others nowadays. But yeah, it, that's a sequel. Well, let's find out if Mario 2 is as good as the original, or maybe better. Uh, Super Mario Brothers 1 was a... Blockbusting success released in the fall of 85 in the New York market in the United States and then by early 86, maybe April 86, everywhere else in the mm-hmm. United States. Huge hit. This is as big or bigger than anything the toy industry has ever seen. Um, I'll, I'll give you one comparison of Barbie, which is an institution, uh, does about a half a billion dollars a year. Nintendo does over three times as much obviously led to sales of the console itself. People were buying Nintendos just to play Super Mario 1. Right. That is the game you want leading your console. Oh, yeah. It's it's definitely like, as far as a, like an attach rate and that kind of stuff, this is the console seller. This is the one, right? Yeah, the killer app, I guess yeah. we would say today, yes. right? And it was a game that, you know, families could play. It didn't have to just be kids or teenagers. You know, There's fa- a two-player take-turns mode. Take-turns. And we talked about how well-made the game was, all the thought and detail that went into it and using the best of their technology and that was uh, Miyamoto Shigeru Miyamoto's crew R&D4 that's the development team so Nintendo of Japan in the wake of the success of the first Super Mario Brothers they immediately are like we need a sequel right so R&D4 is once again called upon to develop the sequel this time around Miyamoto oversaw the team from like a really eagle-eyed view Mm -hmm. but he wasn't in the trenches he wasn't in the trenches it was actually Takashi Tezuka Right. It was like his, you know, second in command. He was the director of the game. And what they did for uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 in Japan. Remember we talked about versus Super Mario Brothers? Yeah. The arcade game. Mm-hmm. We talked about this in the last episode of Available on the Archives. That game was a modified version of the first Super Mario Brothers. Right. Some ch- more challenging levels and things like that. Well, they actually took some levels directly from versus yeah, Super Mario said, Brothers. You know, that's I mean, what else can Mario 2 be? It's just going to be more Mario. More Mario. That's yeah. but that's exactly right. Yeah. So this was not going to be released, though, for uh, the standard Famicom. It was actually going to be released for their, I guess, accessorial console, the Famicom Disk System. Yes, and what this is, if you don't know. I think for people who, like, aren't in the know, I think when they hear Famicom Disk System, they think it's got, like, CDs or some kind of disk of some kind, but it's a floppy disk. A like, floppy but, disk. But a floppy in a sense where they're, like, hard shell cased and they're, they're proprietary form. It's not like it takes any floppies or whatever. No, no, no. It's not but, like a three and a half, you but know? But the, the key is it's, it's a rewritable format, which also, for the future of NES, meant something because that was a whole market in and of itself where they would, you know, you could go to stores in Japan and, you know, you could recycle games. You could, you, there was a yeah. machine and you'd say, I want this game and it would rewrite the disc. Yeah, it would yeah. flash the ROM, yeah. right? In stores around Japan were Famicom disc kiosks and using these, you could rewrite your Famicom disc with something else entirely. 
Famicom Disk System was released uh, in February of 86 uh, in Japan only. If you've never heard of it, if you're like a casual video game person, maybe grew up, played Nintendo, and that was it, you wouldn't have heard of it because it was only in Japan. There was no Nintendo Disk System equivalent. Right. One of the advantages is it had better sound. It had additional channels of sound, but it was more expensive than the standard Famicom. This was like a necessity thing, too, if you're like wondering, like, why the hell did they even do this, right? Part of the problem they ran into early on was is there was a capacity limit on the cartridges that they couldn't seem to overcome. And and so their solution at the time was to use floppy disks because it was, it was a lot more space. But after the floppies came out, they figured out a way to fit more on the cartridges, so they ended up switching back. So there's this weird period of the NES. It's like three or four years of its life in Japan where everything was just on floppy. Correct. Like, everything was just on this. And, like, a lot of people got the disk system, right? It wasn't, like, weird to have. No. To ha- it was, like, it was just normal. something people had, yeah. right? It was not... I think that's what's, like, hard for people to understand is, like, most Famicom people <laughs> picked this it. thing up. Yeah, because, it wasn't uncommon. Because all the new games were coming out on it, right? Right, yeah. And even some of the uh, the previously released games, like Mario Brothers was on it. The, yeah. Super Mario Brothers, the first one. And it didn't, one. like, take away your ability to still stick cartridges in. It just, like, went on top of the... Th- Exactly. Right, yeah. That's why I was kind of calling it like an accessorial yeah. console. Uh, 199 officially released licensed games uh, were made for the Famicom Disk System, and it was sold until 1990. So like Quinn mm. said, it was 86 to 90, four years of the life. And then it kind of reverted back. Reverted America back. America never saw it because I believe they solved, they solved the problem pretty quickly. Like, oh, in terms of expanding the ROM? And yeah. Yes, they did. To the point where the U.S. audience was like never impacted by we, this. We never had to touch it. Right. Uh, and it was actually, as was the NES, uh, officially discontinued by Nintendo of Japan in 2003. Yes. Which <laughs> that's, is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> this is funny. But back to Super Mario Bros. 2, the Japanese sequel here. So there were some changes made. To the original. Yes, it is the engine of the first one. It's the same concept where you control Mario or Luigi, and it's the same damn quest, even. Right. You're saving Princess from the castle once again. That's uh, Literally, the mission is the same. Yes. There's one stark difference, though. There's no two-player mode. In this one, you can just select Mario or Luigi. Right. And this is the first game in the Mario series where Luigi jumps higher, than Mario mm-hmm. to differentiate them. And he's also more slippery, if you recall. It's more of a choice by the player. Yeah, what, like which strategic. Which person they want to use in their quest here, right? You yep. can't switch like halfway through to like another character. No, yeah. no, you, you, the whole game. Yeah. The whole game. So you're committed. But they wanted to make this game harder, so there are things like uh, the infamous poisonous mushroom, which looks nearly identical to the original one. Yeah, so th- what this does is it, it basically it's an opposite mushroom is what I like to think of it yep. as. Basically, like if you're if you're big, you're now small. If you touch it, if you touch it when you're small, you're dead. Yep. And you know what's kind of funny about it? Essentially, it's just a, another object on the on the board, but it just it's a trick. It's a trick one. Right. Another one that they did is they you know they they were aware of how people played endlessly the first Super Mario Brothers game and learned all the tricks. Yeah. And learn the levels and could fly through it, even back then. So one of the things they did is they exploited that by putting in trick warp zones where, mm-hmm. you know, you would normally get to a warp zone by then you knew how. You know, you go up the stair, you go around yeah, the yeah. thing, and then it would take you back a level. Right. This is the primary thing about this game that people love or hate about it. What its aim is, it's supposed to be kind of like 
saying, oh, you played Mario. Well, now everything you know about it, we're just going to screw with you. We're just messing with you, like every single thing. Sometimes there'll be like weird jump angles and stuff that it's yes. like you, you think you could make, and, and or you, you have can. to like jump a certain way. I mean, this is where Kaizo blocks comes from, right? That term. Yeah. So there's blocks that will just be invisible, like mid jump, oh, and they'll just like knock you in a yep. hole with no warning at all. In fact, that thing alone. A lot of what this game is doing, it inspired ROM hacks of later Mario games called yeah. Kaizo Mario. Right. Was, was, it, was kind of the first one to try it. And then they all called themselves all the, every version. There's like thousands of them now. But th- it was all inspired by Mario 2 where the game is just trolling you. That's a great way to put it. The yeah. game is trolling you. I believe one of their taglines was uh, Super Mario for Super Players. Right. Meaning, like you said, oh, you played Mario 1? We'll yeah. try this shit out. Yeah, you know? but, and the fans, like I said, the ROM hacking community took this game as kind of like a, this is how we, this is this is a totally different type of game, right? right, Where right. We're, we're just going to use Mario as the engine, but we're just going to mess with you. Yeah. Uh, the level design is frustratingly hard at times, mm-hmm. uh, especially as you get into the later levels. In fact, this was the first game in a, in a series of games that has its own term, Nintendo hard. Yes. And that's that attainable victory, right? It is yeah. It is completable. But you got to bang your head against a wall first yeah. and want to rip your hair out. Yes! Some of the other games that fall into that category, for, for example, would be Contra. Ninja Gaiden. Um, Ninja Gaiden, Battletoads, yeah. Yeah. Silver Surfer. Those types of games where, yes, you can beat it. Yeah. It is possible. But good luck. Yeah. yeah. But it's also very satisfying when you do. Right. That's one of the, right, the right, trainers. Right, right, right. Yeah. So in this game here, we mentioned how you're doing the same shit. You're going through worlds one through eight, right? And then eat, you know the subdivisions, two through four of them. You have the fake Bowsers and the castles. And then in the 8-4 Fortress, I want to mention, there is actually a fake Bowser before the real one. Yeah, just to... (laughs) Because you know what? We've already screwed with you enough. It's almost like you should have expected this at this point, (laughs) right? right? It's like, yeah, I I don't trust a damn thing that's going (laughs) to happen at this point in the game, right? right? And another obstacle that was introduced in this game is wind. Where I'll just like push you against the grain. Yeah, the wind in this game is trash. (laughs) Like, it's so frustrating. There's just levels that it's just like, oh, jumping towards something. Oh, suddenly. Yep. Don't, like, I just, like, <laughs> fall straight down. It's true. Neat. And if you do beat Worlds 1 through 8, you can open up World 9. Right. That's great. You can do that. There's also A1 through D4. And what those are... You know how in the first Super Mario Brothers, when you beat the game, Princess is like, hey, you, you won? Why do you fucking play again? Yeah, <laughs> Remember? Yeah, yeah. But there's Beatles now instead of Goombas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shitty Beatles. Well, this is like that version where it's like, hey, you're going to get another four worlds, A through D. God, how many people even wanted to do that after like this hell? <sighs> right. This game is the second thing. This uh, is like, the second it, quest. But, uh, but it's the first. Right. <laughs> it already, yeah, it already is harder. Yeah. These are modified versions of previous levels to like they make it harder. Like fire sticks are longer, you know. Right, yeah. Blocks are shorter and harder to jump through. It is insanity. And if you ever do complete D four, that is a satisfying feeling. Now I'm gonna say something here. I want you what, to. What's funny is as far as my opinion of this game, I'm not good at it, but <laughs> I appreciate the shit out of it because I think it's oddly more creative than the American version. I think oh, I, don't I think know about that. I think it's it's got a lot of like interesting ideas that you could tell were interesting ideas because you know ROM hackers 
went with them and you know even nowadays like the dark souls games like those are games that are intentionally hard with trolley shit sure it feels like this is like the pioneer in that subgenre of overly hard kind of games but it's for those people that like crave that challenge challenge they're buying it because they know it's hard right yes. like in that in yes. that to me in a weird way like took some like creative like bravery just try that okay. especially on something like super mario brothers 2 right Good it's point. like what the hell i think it turned out that way. I'm sure the intention was, what can we slap together as quick as possible? And then mm-hmm. from there, the idea grew. Right. That, if, hey, if we're going to modify this game, let's make if it If this is what we have to work with, let's do it this way. Exactly. Right? And they did kind of redraw a few sprites, like the backgrounds a little bit different, mm-hmm. like the ground and stuff. Anyway, the game was released on June 3rd, 86, in Japan, and it was a huge success. I'm to- sure it was, just off the name. Oh, alone, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Two and a half million copies. Super Mario Brothers Unsurprisingly, it is the highest selling Famicom disc system game right. of all time because it was not in cartridge form. So Nintendo of America had their own reaction, particularly Howard Phillips. Now, who is that? Well, he had worked for Nintendo of America since 1981 mm-hmm. uh, as a warehouse manager in Washington State where Nintendo was based. It kind of grew into being their unofficial game tester for the American market. Right. Japan would send him games and he would test them out. Kind and of a famous thoughts. figure within the video games industry. Like, yes. he's one of the early, like, people knew who he was. Like, worked people. his way up. Yeah, yeah. And you're about to meet the man at least partially responsible for Nintendo's popularity. He's Howard Phillips, also known as Mr. Nintendo, and for good reason. An argument could be made that Howard is responsible for making Nintendo America's best selling Christmas toy. United States, which means the guys over in Japan are pulling all the strings. Oh, yeah. America's just there to do what they're bidding, basically. Yeah, distribute the games here, basically. But what Americans thought did matter because of the fact that we're trying to port this game over to the U.S. Because this guy's job is to sell those games in the U.S., right? And and if he looks at this, it's like, what the fuck? Nobody's going to fucking play this. Well, his his exact thoughts were, uh, it's too hard, first of all. It is too similar to the first game. The other reason, and this is the one that sometimes gets muddied up when the story is retold or kind of just overlooked completely, everyone knows it was too hard and too similar, right? Right. Like visually, it looks almost identical. It's, it doesn't take a rocket scientist no. for that one. <laughs> Not even Howard Phillips. Yeah. The other part, though, that people might sleep on is that this came out in June 86 in Japan. They also were taking it from Famicom disc system form to cart form. Right. They had to obviously trim some fat because, you know, the cart is a little bit less space. You don't have two sides, yada, yada, yada. Right. And their thought was, by the time we get this done, it's going to be very old. Not necessarily too late for a sequel, but putting this game out, you know, two years after the and original. It's, it's, you know, it's interesting, too, because as far from a technical perspective here, how you're saying how it, like, looks old or whatever. Yeah. It's amazing what from, you know, 1983 or whenever the NES launched. In Famicom, yeah. By the time, like, 88 or whenever Super Mario Brothers 2 came out, the graphical improvements via, like, mapper chips and, like, how all these, like, just Something very, with the VRAM. Yeah, just all these like very creative ways they were able to like pull more out of this machine. Yeah. To the point where like the games look like dramatically better past oh, that God, like yeah. past that like I feel like 87 is the point where like everything starts looking better. I'd say it's around 87 also. Yeah, a lot I, of the releases just start looking better. You know how a lot of the 
Atari 2600 games have a classic look. Yeah. A lot of those 85, 86 Nintendo games have that distinctive early Nintendo look, like your Kid Icarus and Balloon this Fighter free, or whatever. It's free mapper chips. Like, yeah. they, they were just using what the console had. And, right. the, and, the, and the, the carts, all they were were just flat out, like, ROM. ROM. Right? They were nothing else other than that. And then they figured out this method where, you know, there's a chip in here for the ROM, but we can also fit stuff that can interface with the console right. and they can use the features of those chips. And for those of you that really don't know what we're talking about, we're sorry. Uh, basically, think of it as it, it accentuates or extends what the console is it's doing. like an expansion card. Exactly. You know, like, but it's in the cartridge. Exactly. Because if you ever open up a Nintendo cartridge, this is maybe getting a little technical, but it looks like a circuit board, essentially, yeah. like if in layman's terms. Yeah, it right? does. no, it does. You know, and visually. that's what it is. So what they figured out is we can put chips that actually do stuff in the game and not just... Not just the game. Not just the game, right. Exactly. As far as uh, Super Mario Brothers 2, we know it did not get released in the United States of America at that time. Mm-hmm. It did, of course, come over to the U.S. Uh, as part of Super Mario All-Stars in 1993 as Lost Levels, but... We can save that for when we hit the 90s, because we have another game to get into here. And of course, that one was being developed uh, by Nintendo. They were tinkering around Quinn with an idea, okay? Here's the idea that they had. One of the new game, Miyamoto was, of course, the one leading this charge. Maybe it would be a Mario game, but they didn't know. But mechanically, what they wanted was a vertically scrolling game where you could pick up objects and pick up other players on the screen and throw them around right that was miyamoto's idea and he had the work being done by kansuke tanabi so they got a little work done and they tried to prove out the concept of this vertically scrolling game you know with throwing stuff Mm -hmm. and they're like all right this might be a little bit ahead of its time it's too advanced for what we want to do but they kept it in mind they parked that thought just the basic concept of picking up shit yes and and jumping upwards and having the screen scroll you know vertically Meanwhile, Fuji Television, a very obviously large broadcasting company. Yeah, in it's Japan. like one of the biggest like, yeah. channels over there. Yeah, it's like yeah. our NBC or ABC. Yeah. Uh, they were planning an event known as Yume Kojo, uh, which translates roughly to Dream Factory or Dream Machine. Now, this festival is a large multicultural. I guess carnival, almost, you know, for lack of like a better an arts term, festival. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, uh, involving. 3D displays and holograms and other... Kind of like the Japanese World's Fair or something like yeah, that, right? Yeah, it's there like, you go. Yeah. Other, like, technology that was, like, very ahead of its time for the mid-80s this is, that they this wanted is, to show this off. This fits Japan, bubble Japan, you know, that the, the, the economy yeah. bubble, where they were just, like, they were, like, the kings of technology in the world during, like, the mid-80s, right? It was Absolutely. Like, it's like, you know what? We're going to have, like, festivals and stuff and, like, show off all this shit, yes. right? It's like, that is... It's, like, quintessential, like, economic bubble Japan, right? 100%. And Fuji TV was the main driver here, you right, know? Right, yeah. It was like Carnival, but in Japan and sponsored by Fuji TV. It would be a large-scale outdoor summertime event with a focus on new media with technology exhibitions. So the opening day after all this planning was going to be set for July 18th, 87, to timestamp that. Mm-hmm. That's where we are. In Osaka, Japan. And this is not just one day. This is a, like a weeks-long festival all over, right? Just like the old World's Fair. That's exactly. like how it was. Exactly. Yeah. So they had put in, well before this July 87 date, huge, long, extensive promotion. We're talking Japanese TV and radio 
print media. They were selling shirts and toys, characters. It's easy, it's easy to do that when you're the television company. You're the TV company. <laughs> yeah, <right? you> know. <laughs> they invented characters for this uh, to be the mascots, so to speak, for of the, the festival. Yeah, for the Yuma Kojo Festival. Uh, one of them was named Imogene, which is uh, Imagine, translated mm-hmm. in English, and Imogene's family. And we'll get back to them. But all sorts of masks were created and sold for the event. And music, songs were made. There was a theme song for it, Arabian Nights. You just describing this, I just love this, we have a lot of money, Japan in the 80s, like so much because, I mean, they just let it all fly out for this cut like this bullshit basically right <laughs> it's like this isn't this is there's there's no like need for this damn right Quinn, i guess but you, not, know what, you know what i'm saying like it doesn't have, it doesn't serve a purpose other than to show off shit right well that's true yeah and, and and like that's what's so fascinating it's like they were so like proud right and like all this tech. all this work being put in to show it off and you know making characters just for that show making like songs yeah making songs <laughs> like i don't know it's Shirts. just i i like the excess but <laughs> you like the decadence? I like it because a lot of work went goes into it's oh, like so a lot of people. a lot of effort, so right? So much. And I like weirdly appreciate that, right? Like where it's like this is this is just a couple weeks and we're gonna write storylines with characters right. and and write music and all this stuff, right? You know, we talked about Woodstock sixty nine coming together and was like, yeah. yeah, I guess we'll do it here. Yeah. Meanwhile, Japan here in eighty seven. Yeah, we're like, going all <laughs> out. Like, making toys for this shit. The TV company is going to do it. (laughs) Like, they're going to fund it, right? Here in the U.S., we'd be like, what, ABC is putting this together? Fuck them, you know? But anyway, one of the things, in addition to all this deluge of stuff that Fuji TV wanted to help promote this was a video game. Or, uh, as it would derisively be known as, an adver game. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it's a tech, if it's showing off your new tech, I mean, what what is a big industry in Japan in the eighties? The video game video industry, games. right? It's like so we got to have a video game, right? That's right. Enter Yumi Kojo Doki Doki Panic uh, for the Famicom Disk System. Now, Yumi Kojo, the name of the festival, translates to Dream Machine or Dream Factory. Doki Doki Panic is a uh, Doki Doki is a um, an onomatopoeia for the sound a heart makes. That's yeah, a heart the thump. Yep. Thump, thump. So it's supposed to roughly translate to um, heart-stopping panic. I've also heard heartbeat panic. Heartbeat panic, yeah. Yeah, I've heard multiple translations here. So Fuji, because this is their idea and their characters and their property and all this, they co-produced the game with Nintendo of Mm -hmm. Japan. And Nintendo, being resourceful, reused the prototype that they had been tinkering with, with the vertical scrolling and throwing things around, scaled it down, Mm -hmm. modified it, and used that in a side-scrolling but also vertically implemented game. Isn't that, like, so fascinating, Taylor? It's, like, this idea that they kind of discarded and, like, there's a festival and obviously they want to be represented at it because all the best technical companies in in the country are going to be there. The technical and the high-flying. Yeah, and so we're, we're, you know what? We have this thing on the side. We can kind of put a couple manpower behind it for a week or two or whatever they did yeah. and then make something. Make right? something out of it, exactly. And that is how Japan was introduced to Doki Doki Panic. Probably not an unfamiliar term to those of you that know the Mario series. Right. But it also could be the first time people are hearing it, so that's right. why we're explaining what it is. Uh, so Doki Doki Panic... 
to give you an overview, uh, it takes place in the form of a story, and that story is a green toad-like creature named Mamu has invaded the peaceful land of Mu, and he used the dream machine, if you will, to make monsters. And somehow a monkey named Rusa got his hands on this book. He gave it to, remember Imogene? Yeah. He has two younger twins, Pokey and Peaky. It sounds crazy because Joe's saying all these characters, but there's a reason, like, gameplay-wise, we're being introduced to four people. Yes. Right? So, Pokey and Peaky wind up ripping out the last page of this book, right? And that means the ending is erased. Of course it means the ending is erased. Well, naturally, right? Right. I mean, you rip a page out of a book, what happens at the end? That's it. It's gone. It's gone. So, Mamu, remember the green toad-like creature? He is now freed, somehow, from the book. And he comes through the book, kidnaps these two twins. So, Imogene, his girlfriend, Lena... And Mama and Papa, who are his parents, Mm -hmm. clearly, they have to go save the twins. Had to go on a quest here. In the land of Mm Moo. So all four playable characters, Imogene, Lena, Mama, and Papa, this is insane. They all have to complete the game for the game to be over. Really? In the original? Yes. You have to play as all four of them and beat it. I did not know that part. You know what I think is interesting about this? You know, a lot of the mystery of Mario 2 growing up was what is all this book stuff right right it was like why why is the character select screen a book like yeah, the and, level uh, card yeah the level like all of it's like it's got like a book theme and right but it makes more sense when you realize that it's like well it's kind of like they just it's a palette swap of doki doki panic yeah, so it's like man isn't that interesting it right is. it just kind of leaked into the final the u.s version exactly now if you've never played this game you can look at videos of it on youtube or if you're savvy enough you can get your hands on it somehow i sure did you know the famicom disc system version i played it via emulation back oh in the you 90- didn't you didn't have a famicom disc system no you know yeah. i never got one of those you i didn't have the yen for it yeah Gwen. okay that's a nice pun shut up so i played it and that's where i discovered uh some of these things such as there's no running yeah Imagine playing a side-scrolling Mario-like game without running. Well, here's the thing. It's not a Mario-like no, it in isn't. Japan. It, it, it's its own thing. It isn't. So right. uh, you, you can live by your own rules, exactly. right? You don't have to put a run button if you don't want to put a run button. They didn't want to put maybe a that, run button. Maybe that's not what the intention yeah. was, How right? do you like that? Come to our festival, fuckers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is our game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not Nintendo. This is, this is not Mario. There's no plumbers here. Yeah. Luigi. <laughs> Since it's for the Famicom Disk System, one helpful thing is there is a save feature because you can save to disk. Which is one of the advantages of the Famicom Disk. That's what's one of the, the, the killer features to try to get people to buy this thing in the first place. Exactly. Uh, now, folks, we're going to run down the characters here. See if they remind you of somebody that you might have heard of from later time. So, Imogene is the balanced character, meaning mm-hmm. he has all good attributes. He's moderately quick, could jump moderately high, moderately quick at picking up things, mm. moderate. Middle of the road. Middle. Then uh, Mama is very good at jumping. Could jump the high, extremely high jumper. Taller. Taller, but very slow. Yeah. You know, a little bit slower. Papa, he is strong and fast, but he can't really jump very high. And finally, Lena, she can hover, but she's also kind of slow and not very quick. So keep those characters in mind. We'll get a little bit more into the gameplay and the enemies later on. But I do want to mention here about Doki Doki Panic is if you've ever played the original version, there are some subtle differences to what it would later become. And I would encourage anyone that has even a passing interest in this to at least check into those differences because we probably won't cover all of them extensively. Mm -hmm. But there are differences between this and its later iteration. And it's interesting to check that out. But like Quinn said, you really do, once you know what this game is about, 
you understand why Super Mario Brothers 2 is the way yeah. it is. The thing that, yeah, I think the other thing besides the book thing is it has a weird kind of like Arabian Nights kind of kind yeah. of theme going on. Yeah. Um, with all the characters. Um, I, I think that's they're going for like Aladdin, if, if you don't know what I mean by like yeah. Arabian Nights. Because it's not a, yes, it was a Japanese festival, but you got to remember a multicultural festival. Multicultural festival, but also it's just it's just a video game so we can crib off of any, Anything any, we want any stories from around the globe, right? It's Absolutely. Like, you know, like, so go for it, right? 100%. So, yeah, again, this game was essentially an ad, but... To its credit, I mean, it's a well-made game. It's mm-hmm. it's unique. Obviously, Nintendo is the reason for that, not Fuji, <laughs> that it's a good game. I mean, this is what was what? Nintendo's representation at the festival, so they wanted to put their best foot forward, yeah, clearly. 100%. Right? This is this is the kind of stuff, this is just this is just a Tuesday for us, you know? This <laughs> is, this is, we just made this. You just quote an M. Bison yeah. from Street Fighter? Yep. Perfect. Love it. For you, the day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. Uh, it did sell 350,000 copies in its lifetime, so it's not like it was a dud. It wasn't going to be a million-something seller. Right. It did wasn't they, intended did, to be. Did they sell it in stores? Like, yeah. was it accessible, or was it only at the festival? No, you no, could no. Get it? They sold it. It came out, I want to say it was eight days before the festival to hype people up. Gotcha. And so, then they kept so, it. And then they just kept it in the store. Yeah, they All kept right. it. It was a regular game, but it was made with an express purpose. However, Nintendo of America, remember them? Hi, we're America. Yeah, we don't matter. Yeah, <laughs> yep. we're, we're in Washington. Yeah, <laughs> we do what they te- they we do what they say. Our landlord's a big meanie. Yeah. They still want. They're like, hey, it's eighty seven. Where's our Super Mario two, please? Can yeah, we, like, we, we we got customers here. Right? Right? Could, could like, you please? Yeah, people are banging on the doors for Super Mario Brothers two. Right, and they're like, we don't want that that one that you guys made. That thing stinks. Can you imagine people on the Nintendo helpline at the end of every call? Everyone's like, "Where's Mario 2? Right? Yeah, probably. I mean, like, I guarantee you that was going on. Writing letters, yeah, and all writing those things, postcards. <laughs> people did that back then of course too. They like, did writing into Nintendo Power. Like, where the hell is this? I wrote to Nintendo a couple times. Wait, did this? Oh, this was the game that that was Launched part of that. Nintendo yeah, Power, so yeah? they couldn't write to Nintendo. Maybe the Fun Club newsletter or something. Though. Well, that's true because yeah. Doc Doc Lewis told yeah. us all about that. Right. Anyway, they decide. In cooperation with Japan, obviously. Nintendo of America says, well, why don't we take this Doki Doki Panic game? They're like, we know you originally started the tech on this as maybe a Mario game anyway. It's unique. It's novel. It's different. It Mm -hmm. is different. It is not just a reskinning and re-leveling. Why don't you take that, change a few things, and we will make ourselves a Mario game. So after about a year of work... In September of 1988, here in North America, in Europe in April of 89, Super Mario Bros. 2 is released, and we will be talking all about it on the other side of this break because we have to go somewhere right now. We have to go to the Dream Factory, believe it or not. We have to go down the the pipe. It's tough out there. Folks, take a quick pause here. Do what you got to do. Get a snack. Get a beverage. Strap in because on the other side of this break, it's all about... Super Mario Bros. 2 in the United States when more acid washed memories returns right after this. Super Mario is back. He's blasting. 
testing a world where no one has ever been. He's taking on enemies no one else dares. This time, Mario pops up power wherever he goes. So he's bigger and badder than ever before. You've never seen creatures like these. You've never had an adventure like this. It's everything you've dreamed of and worlds more. It's Super Mario 2, only from Nintendo. Now you're playing with power. What's so special about Wendy's new bacon Swiss burger? Bacon. Special sauce. Swiss cheese. More bacon. All on a toasted Kaiser bun. It's the only bacon Swiss burger with three strips of bacon. Ooh, doesn't that sound delicious? Wendy's new bacon Swiss burger. Come on in now and grab one while they're hot. An American tradition continues. During the decade of the 70s, a slugger named Reggie helped Finley's A's capture three consecutive World Series championships. Now home run hero Jose Canseco powers the Oakland A's as they face the Red Sox or the Astros meet the Pirates. The tradition is here. The memories are waiting. And now we return to more acid-washed memories. Hey! You're still there? I'm still here. Michael Quinn is still here. Hi, Paisanos. Hi, Paisanos. Welcome back to Acid Watch Memories, uh, episode 32, Retro Pop Culture Celebration. We are That's what we do. That's our thing, man. Hope, hope you guys like it. Hey, like I said, if um, you're a new listener here and you haven't yet listened to the Super Mario Brothers 1 episode, you can do that. It's in yeah. the archives. You can subscribe on your app of choice if you haven't. Yeah, go into the wrong pipe and go back to that one. Yeah, yeah. go to the backwards warp zone. And uh, also, go to the get the poisonous mushroom and go to X or Twitter and subscribe yeah. at AWM Podcast. Oh, that's Podcast. the poisonous mushroom, all right. It sure is. Uh, and you can also join our Facebook group, Acid Watch Memories. We really do appreciate you being here, having a lot of fun uh, in this, we should mention, an ongoing sporadic Mario series. We will be covering multiple games as this we isn't, go on. This isn't the only... This oh, is, no. We're not ending on two. No, imagine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bye. <laughs> yeah, just never mention ever again. And that's the story of Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. The series didn't really continue on. No. It was really... Un- it, this, it, it was all downhill yeah. after this, Quinn. All the other stuff today, it's just imitation. Absolutely. It's not even by Nintendo. It's a, your imagination, if yeah. you will. Anyway, Super Mario Brothers 2 was released in September of 1988 in the United States... And in April of 89 in Europe, the box art, by the way, I just want to say I really like the box art to this. Yeah, it's it's all right. It's got Mario, you know, uh, holding a vegetable. And what do you think about the animation style? Because he was not animated on the original box. He was not. It was using pixelation. I think it's good. I think it brings him to life. Yeah. He's, they, a, little, he's a little pudgy, though. He's not his, like, final form to me. You know what I mean? That, I guess not. He's his mid-late 80s form. Yeah, yeah. He, he's developing. You know, it's like, it's like a halfway point. <laughs> right. So we will talk about the gameplay because we, we didn't mention that in Doki Doki Panic because the gameplay is almost identical. Figure we save it for the main event here. But before we do that, I want to talk about the plot because it is slightly different here. Well, yeah, it's got to involve Mario. It's got to involve Mario first and foremost. So to sum it up, Mario is having this dream. And in this dream is this staircase, which leads to this door to this place. I know it's very high tech. And a voice, he hears a voice that identifies this world behind this door as the dreamland of Subcon. They're asking for Mario's help in defeating the villainous frog named Wart. What a gross name. Ew. Yeah. It's definitely like why it was picked. Yeah, he was Mamu in the original, yeah. obviously. Now, you know what I love about just that? Just that alone. Yeah. It's the game starts with you coming out the door 
and fallen down. Right. Just like the instruction manual, right? Like just like you're explaining here. That's a great point. You fall yeah. right out of a door. Yeah, that that's intentional. And I always and I always like that little nod. One hundred percent what it is. Uh so Wart, as we know, is a jerk. He was a tyrant. He cursed Subcon, cursed its people. So Mario wakes from this dream and he decides to tell Luigi making his return. Princess Toadstool. See, she does not need to be rescued in this one. She's a, she's free because Mario rescued her, remember? Right, right. She's just there to help. Yep. And apparently, I guess, like, the best mushroom retainer, Toad. Yeah. Because, remember? Uh, the, uh, maybe he's one of the eight. Yeah. And maybe yeah. he was just, like, the nicest or one, one or something. one of the seven. One of the seven. That. Yeah. Good point. And the funny thing is, is Luigi, Toad, and Princess, they all said they had the exact same dream. Can you believe that? Because I cannot. Wow. Shocking. Earth-shattering. I can't even tell you where this story's going. No, me neither. Anyway, the group goes on a picnic, because that's what I would do after having uh, the same dream as three other people. Maybe they think there's no danger, right? Right. Like, they're just like, yeah, it was just a dream, whatever. Just a dream. And while they're on this picnic, they do what most people do, uh, which is discover a cave. And in that cave is a long staircase, which is completely normal. Yeah, just that's how it always is. Yep. And guess what? There's a door at the top, Mm -hmm. and they go through that door... And they are transported to Subcon, meaning that perhaps their dreams have been real. So like Quinn said, they didn't really, uh, Nintendo here, did not do much to eliminate the book nature of this on on the level cards. Yeah, that part's weird. The menuing is still (laughs) like the book. Even like every level, it shows the book. It's very bookish. Yeah. Uh, But of course, Mario has replaced Imogene as the balanced character. Right. He now, I want to mention... His sprite in Suit Mario 1, due to limitations, mm-hmm. was brown and red, or orange and, and, yeah. and red. It is now blue overalls with a red shirt and a red hat. But he's got white eyes. And he has white so eyes. Three yeah. colors, finally. Yep. Yep. What's interesting, though, is we, we were just talking about the artwork. On the box artwork, he's got the red overalls and the blue shirt. Because remember, they were still fucking around with that back then? Yeah, I could never... Like, this is one of those things where I was just like, and eh, whatever. Anyway, to back to the point here. Mario is the balanced character with the whites of his eyes, Quinn, and he's got he looks like Mario, more like Mario yes. than he does in Super Mario. Way better. War. Yes. Now remember uh, Mama, the tall character, yes. the high jumping? One that's like holding a purse or something. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Has a hood. Yeah. Well, Luigi has taken her place, and for anyone that wanted the minor trivia of in which video game were Mario and Luigi first portrayed with differing heights and differing sprites. It is Super Mario Brothers 2 for the U.S. There you go. And it was only due to programming you right. know, to the previous game. So Papa, he was the guy that was really fast, right? Yeah. He was the guy that was really strong, could, could pick like, up stuff. jump higher or no, something? No, doesn't jump. Jumps really low. Well, no, when he does his charge jump, I mean. That's I the only time he can jump yeah. decently, yeah. yeah. Well, Toad has replaced him. Yes. Small guy, you know, quick and can throw stuff. Lena, who was wearing pink, very fittingly. <laughs> this uh, is like the most obvious one. Princess uh, Toadstool is now wearing pink, which again, in the first game, she's wearing like a white dress. Now, what I do dig here is it's kind of creative how they do her, like, you know how this character could float or whatever? Yep. She uses her dress, yep. and she's kind of like using it to get air. Yeah. It's kind of cool. It is cool, and a lot of people like playing as a princess. You know, a lot of people played Princess and Luigi because they're they're actually like much easier to play the game. Those with. are the two like, I always play yeah, with. Yeah, because they're very cheap. I gotta say, I never played with Mario. Me either. I would always play with like Toad or Princess or something. You were a Toad guy. You a Toad guy because well, he was fast. I he was that. fast. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I like Toad. Very quick. At a lot of maneuverability. Up, you, know? you know. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, so here's some differences from Doki Doki Panic. Again, there's more, but we're just giving you a rundown. Uh, in Doki Doki Panic. 
uh, the grass, you know, because what you do is you pull up vegetables, yeah. right? And you throw them at enemies. That's one thing here. You don't stomp on enemies in this mm. game. That could be jarring. If you go from Mario 1 to Mario 2, you're used to stomping on the Goombas and the Koopas, right? right? There's no Goombas. I think what's, what's... There's no Koopas. Yeah, I think what's about that little detail, what's interesting about it is you can go on top of the enemies, can ride but if them. you go, if you hit like the corner of them or something, that hurts you, which is like, Correct. to me, that was always very jarring yeah. also. It's the only Mario game where that's primary. In Super Mario World, there's certain enemies that you can jump on and not kill. Mm-hmm. But this is where jumping on them doesn't do anything. In fact, you can ride them. You, you can, can ride just, them. You can just like stand on them mm-hmm. and they'll walk with you on yep. top of them. Yep, exactly. So one of the differences here is you you know you pull up uh, vegetables to throw at these enemies. Well, in Doki Doki Panic, the uh, the grass is black, and in this game, it is red. I don't know why. Probably one of the big uh, differences though is that you can run. In yeah. this game. Oh, my goodness. Hold what, B what to a, run. What an improvement. That mechanic is back, so that's good. I mean, you know, that actually ma- changes, like, the whole game. It does. Honestly, because you can just zip all the way through and all this stuff. Yeah. And, but also, it kind of, it, it's also a double threat at the same time, because by the, the fact that the only time you can take damage is, like, if you side into, like, go into the side <laughs> of the enemies, yes. because you're going so fast. Right. You might, like, nick somebody and, like, get hit. There goes that nicking them again, yeah. yes, with your foot or whatever, yeah. your dress, as it were, if yeah. you're a princess. The other thing is, in Doki Doki Panic, there's no um, small mama, right. small poppy, yep. if you will. You have a life bar on the left. You, you lose it, you lose it, right, and then you die. You, you get a certain amount of hits. That's the other thing. A life bar in Mario. What? Le- yeah, and on the left, down yeah. to the bottom. Or, yeah, it's like weird. Uh, it's like jewels or something. Yeah, it's like- jewels, correct. So what they did in Mario 2 is they kept the life bar, but after you take a two hits, I believe it is, or when you're down to the one hit Yeah, left, it's, it's whatever your last is, because yeah, you can increase. You can increase it with yeah. the potion. Right. Whatever your last hit is, you become small, but because that wasn't programmed in the original game, the characters look comically funny because they have tiny bodies but the yeah. same big head. Another thing that has changed is there are some Mario touches that were put in because there's almost no trace of Mario in the original game <laughs> yeah. whatsoever. So they took like blocks that you throw, they turn them into mushrooms. They look right. like mushrooms. When you go into the land of subspace, which is where you get a potion, you throw the potion down, you walk into a door, Bill Watts open the door, mm-hmm. and then when you go in there, you can get coins to add to your life bar and shit. Yeah. But when you go in there, in Doki Doki, it's Arabian-themed music. When you go into subspace in Super Mario Bros. 2, it is Koji Kondo's classic Mario theme. There you go. And now speaking of Koji Kondo, he did the music in this game, even Doki Doki Panic. There you go. Because he was Miyamoto's you know, guy. I mean, there was probably like two people who did music for Nintendo back then anyway. I'll tell so. you what, though. He was good at it. Yeah. The classic, like, ragtime theme. That comes from this. If you've ever heard that played on a piano, it sounds like a Scott Joplin tune or something like that. Yeah, and actually, I think a lot of that, too, has to do with the fact that at the character select screen, it's the one thing that's not a book, and it's like, um, it looks like you're on a stage or something. It does. Yeah, it's like there's a curtain. Curtain. Yeah. The other thing, too, 
there's no Fire Flower. Now, this was a huge part of the first Super Mario Brothers. It would go on to be a huge part of other games because, you know, you're, you're regular or small, and then you're super. Yeah. Great. But then when you get the Fire Flower in Super Mario 1 and you're shooting at the Goombas and you're shooting at the Koopas, right? Maybe yeah. even Bowser or Hammer Brothers. Well, see... Very I mean, exciting. I, I, I take that as this. Here's the deal, right? Yeah. This is a game where you can throw anything at anybody. Why the <laughs> hell do you need a Fire Flower? That is probably precisely what they thought. Right? It's like, all seriousness. It's like, what do you need that for? You could throw anything on the stage at anybody. The, like, the whole game is throwing things, right? Yeah, That's yeah. the whole point. It, it seems like redundant to have like an ability that just lets you also throw things. I totally agree with you. Uh, so there's no firepower. And thankfully for anyone that has ever played this, you only need to beat the game as... One of the four characters. Thank goodness. You don't need to complete it as all four. That's true. And you can also switch characters at the top of a level or when you die and come back uh, from yep. a continue. So talk about the enemies here and, and the gameplay. So let's look at some of the gameplay first. We were very familiar with uh, the Super Mario 1 stuff. And again, we talked about it in our archives. Yeah. But uh, why don't you check this out? So mushrooms have made a return, but not in the way you think. So mushrooms are here only when you go into subspace yeah. or in a warp zone and it gives you your additional life. So they worked, they like shoehorned in a mushroom. It you basically know? kind of represents the same thing, but it, it doesn't exactly do the same. Yeah. And it, well, it kind of does because when you're small and you're, you get one, you do get big. You do get big. So they were able to shoehorn that. It's just in. funny because most of the time you get it when you have two. Yes. Like two hearts, two or, hearts. or two diamonds or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Maybe two clubs of spades. Yeah. Oh, shut up. The one-up was also worked in. They very hastily <laughs> made a one-up, uh, uh, which is a result of getting like coins and hearts and stuff. Speaking of which, there are hearts. You get those once you've thrown a lot of crap at enemies, and it helps you recover your life meter. I never could figure out what that did as it a kid. It seems random, right? Yeah, they it, it, it would always show up and go, what the fuck is this? And then it was like, you couldn't even like, I would never even like notice what I it know. was doing. Like, I was like, what is this? I like this one. This has returned from Mario Brothers, the arcade game, the POW block. Yes. So this is cool because this was missing from the, from Mar Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Especially in this game. You know why it's cool is because hey, we can pick up shit now. Yes. So now you can pick up the POW block and throw it and then break it instead of having to like hit your head on it or whatever <laughs> Yes. Um, to use it. And it's one of those um, deus ex machinas almost because it clears the screen if you, right. you know. My, my head cannon was like, oh, it must be really heavy. So it right. just like shakes everything. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, there's also a key. You could probably figure out what that's for. It's to unlock yeah. doors. Uh-huh. Wow. Sure glad you two are here to explain the fine fucking intricacies of this game. What's next? The vegetables are for throwing? Get the hell out of here. There's the vegetables like we mentioned. Now, there are two classes, Quinn, of yes, vegetables. Yes, yes. There's like the bigger kind <laughs> and these like tiny ones. The unripened? Yes. It's real, folks. I'm not making it up. That sounds like somebody at Nintendo USHQ just thought <laughs> that up, right? Yes. Like, a lot of this stuff just seems made up. Well, here's one. They shoehorned another thing in turtle shells because they're alluding to Koopas. Right. These are not turtle shells in Doki Doki Panic. I forget what it is. It might be a mask or something. It's something else. Turtle shells, you can throw and they slide across the ground and run into right. enemies. But they're not. They're supposed to be Koopa shells. I don't remember. Were these even really common? No, like, I don't incidental. remember seeing them that often. No, they're not. 
Well, there's the next thing, I and mean, there's definitely a lot of this shit. So sometimes you'll pull something up, and it'll be a red bomb. Yeah, you just panic. You're like, oh, God, yeah. get this out of here. So it can become useful if you throw it away from you in time at an enemy. Yeah, but you could risk it, and you could run with it to try to like throw it at like, a mob of enemies. True, or even a boss. Yeah. So, I mean, that is the... Well, just a little taste of some of the things, but there are enemies that we have to meet because guess what? I believe we have pretty much no returning enemies from Super Mario 1. No, we'll but find we, out. We have some debuting enemies and and I think a significant debuting enemy right at right out the gate here. So you might have heard, you might have seen Shy Guys. Folks. Shy Guy, I yeah. mean, he would become big in the Yoshi canon. Very like, big in Yoshi. Yeah, he's like all over that. Like yeah. but like I, I just thought like it's cool that shy guy is like this is his game that he started in yep. he's kind of like he just kind of continues on and he's a doki doki panic enemy yeah all these enemies were you know these yeah. were not made for mario 2 he, he survived doki doki he panic. did he survived and, and, and he survived mario a lot of things didn't even survive mario 2 good so, point like, yeah very good point yeah uh, one thing about these enemies they're all wearing masks which is hard yeah. to tell in their sprite mm-hmm. so like shy guy you know he's red with the the face the white face he's wearing a mask because he's shy <laughs> doesn't want to see his face i don't know what's under there there's also a, p- a pink variant, yeah. but they do the same thing. Uh, they move back and forth, and you can stand on them, and you can throw them. Now, here's a Mario Brothers 2 exclusive guy over here. Tweeter! Yeah. Uh, a bird w- with a mask on. He usually has like a fork or something. I, <laughs> what a pain in the balls this thing yeah, is. Tweeter is, yeah. Tweeter is like the Koopa paratrooper, like the ones yeah. that bounce with the wings. Yeah. Next level up from the shy guy is the Sniffit. <laughs> who is very similar to a shy guy Mm -hmm. in look, except he has a black mask on, and he shoots bullets out of it. Yeah, so sniff it here, right? Did he ever make it out of Mario 2? Because I, I feel like he did. Didn't he? I feel like Shy Guy's all over the place, but sniff it. Shy Guy's in Yoshi's Island for sure, and later. Yeah, um, I think he's even like in Mario Kart, like other like does later he, like, ones. Appear? Yeah. yeah, I don't know about sniff, folks. Let us know if you know anything about sniff it. Sniff it's one that I'm not sure if he <laughs> if he got out of this one. Well, right? I know I know this next one did. Ninji made it into other games. Ninji? I know Ninji did. Yeah. From what? I believe Ninji's makes a cameo in Mario World. Oh, you're right. He He's just Ninja, there randomly. Ninji's there, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Ninji is actually really cute. He looks like a little star, like a little ninja star, I guess, but right. he's like, just jumps around, and it's very cute. I'm not kidding. I he like always him. jumps in like a pattern, too. Yeah. Like, he he has like a range, but yeah. he's back and forth always. He can be an asshole, though. Yeah. Uh, I guess another uh, variant of the Shy Guy family here is Bezo. Bezo has the fucking fork, Quinn. Yeah. It's very annoying. This bastard. He... <laughs> You don't stinks. Like- <laughs> Always flying at you, hitting you from the side. So it was Lakitu for Mario One, but you really have a grudge against Bezo in, in Mario Two. Actually, he's not even the worst in this game. There, no, there's there's worse. worse guys as we go down here. So one of the things I want to mention, folks, before we forget, is that some of the the vertical scrolling was implemented, but not in a smooth way. You know, in the horizontal, you're just going, and the screen is smoothly moving. They have vertical design levels, but anytime you switch screen, it like yeah, it shifts like up a with you. It, right. you past a certain point, and it moves right. Uh, and one of the things that you do when you're on these vertical levels is climb up vines, mm-hmm. and on some of these vines is a giant ladybug known as Hoopster. This just, this was a very indescript enemy. It's just there, <laughs> like barely ever hits you. A lot of times, I would just use it for an elevator. 
essentially. Yeah, people do. Yeah. But you can use them, you can pick them up and throw them too. Right, you can, yeah, you which can. Is, which is good. This is the dick, the next one. <laughs> this, this is like the ultra asshole of this game. Okay, so let me explain this, folks. Yeah. There are not warp pipe or, or any normal yeah. pipes in mm-hmm. Super Mario 2, okay? Because remember, it's a different game. However, there are similar things that you would slide down known as jars. They're vases, right? Right. They're like white. when you go in, they're like the jars get bigger. Yes. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> and down there sometimes is something useful. Like a coin or, or something. A key. Yeah. But there's this asshole down there named Fanto. Right. So if you grab the key. This piece of shit. He's I the keykeeper, keeper, right? Yeah. You need the key, by the way, to get into certain things. Durr, let me guess. Like, uh, doors? Hur, hur, you dick. So he said that Locked he, doors. You're required to trigger him off. You have to. Yeah. He gets pissed off, and you see him, like, leave his post. Yeah, he, he like, leaves the cup you're in or whatever, the jar. <laughs> like, he just gets the fuck out, and then he's, like, he's, like, all over the stage, <laughs> and he's, like, flying all over, but he's, Trying like, to pull you way over. faster than Tweeter or Bezo or any of them. Oh, he's yeah. just, like, zipping all over the place. <laughs> getting in your way. Getting in your way, and not to mention, he's invincible, unlike Tweeter and Bezo. You can't, like, go on top of him. Yeah, you can't... Like, you, you touch him anywhere, you're dead. Yeah, you can't throw him. Yeah, you, you can't, can't pick, pick him up. up. You can't do anything to him. He's just a fucking pain. Fucking asshole. Yeah, piece of shit. I don't Ooh. like him. <laughs> Is he like Lakitu for you? Yeah, he's very Lakitu-like. <laughs> uh, there's Trouter. So Trouter is similar to the, the fish of Super Mario Brothers 1 mm-hmm. in that it's, guess what, a fish. But again, this is... So this is weird, right? Unlike the fish in most of them, the cheap he, cheeps. He's another one where you can like weirdly like ride his head. Yeah. Right? Like you can like stand on him and go up and down. Yes, because like, it's very odd. Because I, I will mention, while there is water and it looks beautiful, you know, there's like waterfalls and yeah. stuff and you can jump in. Sometimes you can go in them to go down places. Yeah. There are no underwater swimming levels in Mario 2 the way there right. is in the first game. Yeah. However, Trouter pops out of the water and like Quinn said, because you can stand on enemies. You can stand on Trouter. Which makes him another elevator character, as yep. I like to say. In fact, there might be levels later in the game where I you need him. I think there's levels where Trouter is just a platform. There's yeah. like multiple Trouters, and you have to like jump on them. Yeah, I right? think you're right. <laughs> he's just he's just another one of those. And you can also pick him up if it's convenient, if yeah. you can get to a platform. But a lot of times him. you use him as a platform, and there's just a hole underneath. Yes. So you can't even like... So it's kind of like begging you to pick him up. Like you're 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 trying to resist the urge to pick yeah, him up. You're exactly. like, wait a sec. Like, no. Like, if I pick him up, I'm dead. I've done by accident yeah. plenty of times. Porcupo does not return as far as I know, and he's not too common in this game. I don't ever remember <laughs> seeing this stupid thing. Like, where the hell is this guy? Not, not <laughs> Porcupo. He's not in that much of the game. He, he basically is the same thing as those spiky assholes that I don't like. The spinies? From, the spinies, yeah. From, from Mario 1, yeah. Except crappier. <laughs> he is crappier. This guy would return. Uh-huh. bob Bomb. But here's the thing. Here's yes. a, this is again, but bomb. Is he as common as just the bomb in this? Because I don't the walking. No. Bo- so like bomb yeah. or bomb is different than the red bomb that is a stationary non-anthropomorphic right. object. Right. But I I don't remember seeing bomb as often. Bomb is a <laughs> bomb is in some of the game but not not yeah. as common no in the super show the bombs like all over the fucking place but not in this not, not in this game well one of the things is that um 
the next enemy, the Albatross, and that's yeah. I'm not misspeaking. Albatross is an albatross. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a bird, but he's an. This is Lakitu. No, no, no. See, mean, no. Again, he's broken because of the because of the you can stand on him shit. You can fly on him. You can, you but can like him. actually, this enemy is not as easy to fly. I feel, but he's easy to get rid of because you can stand. Like he's not as annoying because you you get this second where you can kind of stand on him and fly with him before you can grab him or whatever. Well, yeah. So I I just feel like. He's less annoying than Piano or whatever that guy was. What's his name? Fanto. Fanto. And like Piano. And, and he he's also less annoying than Lakitu. Piano. Yeah. Whatever. He's annoying. <laughs> he's annoying when he drops bob bombs on you. Yeah. though. That's the one thing about him. That is annoying about him. That's true. Bob bomb. Pidget. This guy is awesome. Yeah, I like this. Pidget's anime. fine. He uh, he rides a flying carpet. Yes, we're serious. But there's a the 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 one thing about him is there's a reward, right? So if you get Pidget off the thing, yeah, you just pick him up. You can ride the carpet, but like when I say ride, it's not like the other enemies where you don't have control over it. Yeah, you actually but control it. This is probably the first instance of Mario truly being able to fly in, some in Super regard. Mario Brothers games, right? Like yeah. you you where you have like full control. Yeah, like you, you're not like limited. Or anything like you're not like using an exploit to like fly correct now let us mention that it is um temporary right like the carpet only lasts so long like it disintegrates like remember Pidget, it's unlimited but for you <sighs> not suddenly fair. it's like breaking or whatever not fair uh we mentioned that there are not pipes you know if you remember in super mario one piranhas came yeah. out of pipes well we have a variant here even in again this is all doki doki stuff cobrats yes again I feel like it loses the punch of the piranha plants because the piranha plants would hurt you on any touch of them. Yes. With this thing, again, you can land on its head and pull it out of the pipe, and yeah. like it's like, well, and they come out of the pipe on their own too. Right? Don't they? Yeah. Like it, it's kind of dumb. Like it's this enemy. <laughs> like I was always like this enemy felt useless to me. You don't like the cobra? Yeah. I just it's not that it just doesn't add anything. He's just another thing that I can use as a weapon. Fair enough. You will not see this one too often, but Panzer is that little plant like the the i don't yeah, know what like kind of plant. barely ever see this thing it doesn't matter uh there is ostro which is an ostrich and it yep. is written by uh shy guys the thing about ostro it's not inherently an enemy the shy guys ride them and it just has and to you like, can ride them and you can ride them yeah, yeah. and and actually there's some there's, there's levels where that's very useful there's there's levels that are like designed that you're like supposed to use ostro to get over stuff yep but you have to like get shy guy off when the ostro is going in a certain direction like that's the intention yeah because you, you can't turn them around they have to hit yeah, a wall yeah you're to just turn like around. you're just like stuck on wherever he's going so the idea is like he's got to miss you first and then shy guy's gonna cut gonna turn back around to try to hit you and yep. then you go and on then you him get, and get him, him off him and Ostro's, yeah, there's one level in World 6, I it's think, like where it's like... sand or some shit. Like, he, you have to, like, get over yeah. it that way. And there might be a spike one in the Ice World, which have 5 or something, yeah. um, where it's just all spikes and you can ride Ostro. Now, this guy did return in Super Mario World. Right. He was yellow. He's a green returning here. guy here. Yep. Pokey! Yeah, so the, the, cactus. the Cactus Man or whatever, yeah. What I think so cool about this guy is that in this game, you can't pick him up, right? You can. You can? Yeah. Uh, the spikes don't kill you? No. Okay. You can pick them up. Okay, so you can do that in this game, but then what's so cool is they repurpose him in Mario World where you can only eat him yes. with Yoshi. Section by section. Right. And you and can pick him up section by section. I thought that this. was cool. It's like, oh, he's just kind of like repurposed. Yeah. Like, you know, and, he, and it works. It, it totally works. Right. 
And then I, I love this because it's just such an elaborate contraption here. It's so dumb. So the Shy Guys, you might see them in some of the later levels riding this giant bomb machine. It's called the Autobomb. Right. Which is a pun on Autobahn. Yep. And it just, I just... That was obvious. I'm I sorry. I love it. But it's a great pun, and I just think it's really funny. I just love how Shy Guy's like all over the place <laughs> in this game. He's fucking, the best. He's fucking awesome. I like Shy Guy. He's like the Goomba of this game, would you say? Or the, or the Koopa? He's kind of the Goomba of this game. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's dope. Like, and the fact that, like, he gets to be in a bunch of other stuff is yep. like... I, I just love that he, like, started here. <laughs> like, this is not what you would expect for a character that would, like, go through the whole series. Like, he's, like, he's, like, in new ones. Like, know. You know, like, it's weird. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Um, there is also Flurry, who is only in the ice levels. Just dumb. He's, he's not there long enough to matter. Flurry, <laughs> I don't like him. And I, and I do theorize if he's a shy guy with snow on his head. Well, look at the picture. I think he is supposed to be a shy guy with snow on his head, yes. Right? I, I <laughs> like, totally he's technically agree. not something separate. So before we get to the boss characters here, I want to mention that an unofficial character, so to speak, is known as Mask Gate. If you recall, Quinn, in the first Super Mario Brothers game, mm-hmm. you completed the level by jumping over the flagpole. Well, jumping onto the flagpole. No, don't jump over it. The game keeps going. Uh, jumping onto the flagpole, right. correct? In Super Mario 2, once you hit the end of the level... You have to defeat a boss or a sub-boss, which we'll get to. And then what happens is you use a uh, magic crystal or whatever it is. Whatever the game says. Yeah, you yeah. pick that up and throw it. And then this thing's mouth will open. It's like a bird, like an eagle. Yeah. Ma- like an eagle's face. It's like, and you go in it, which is just really fucking weird. It can is. We, can we just say, like, that's not normal? Now, in Mar- <laughs> in, uh, in Doki Doki, that's a mask. This right. is actually a Super Mario 2 original. The ah, sprite, okay. Which is even weirder. Now, can I mention something? Mm-hmm. He becomes an enemy in one of the levels. Yeah, there's a level where, like, they <laughs> trick you. Like, you're like, you get him open, and then he starts flying around like an <laughs> asshole. Like, he starts acting like Phantom. Pinocchio or whatever that guy is again. What? Piano, Quinn, yeah. Piano? What, what's, his, what's his name? Fanto. The, Fanto? He starts acting like Fanto. Like, he starts going all in, and you're like, what the fuck? And I don't even think, can you kill him? I, yeah, I, you can. I, you I would can. always just try to avoid him, but... You can kill him. He's an awkward shape. Yeah, it is. It's just very unsettling because you're so used to you're cruising along, and you know that he's a, he's a friend, right? Yeah, he's not- it's like oh, when I see him, the level's over, right. right? I'll go in his mouth, and we'll go to the next thing, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, That's what we all say. And then he comes off the wall and yeah. attacks you. It's like, it's, dude, it's scary. Fuck. They really screw you over in that part. They do. They pull no punches there. So anyway, the bosses. So the main sub boss so to speak here is Birdo. Now Birdo is a pink dinosaur like creature that would I don't endure. know why he's a bird but I know. Is that well, because dinosaurs, dinosaurs evolved birds. into birds yeah, or whatever exactly. they say? Mm-hmm. Now way. what's interesting about Birdo, Birdo's another person who survives Mario 2. Yeah, that's um, a thing. He goes Birdo's on. Birdo's in Mario she, Kart and yeah. all sorts of shit. Birdo goes on to become like a not featured player but like a memorable face, right? Right, yeah. Like Birdo's all over yeah, other games. Birdo's in stuff. Yeah, Birdo's in stuff. Uh, Birdo spits eggs. You can jump on the eggs, pick up the eggs, throw them at Birdo. Yeah, and then you go into Maskate. Isn't that weird if you think about it? Because usually, like creatures that hatch eggs, they don't come out of their mouth. But this, yeah, this thing is twin. shooting eggs out of its mouth. That, that is why it's very unsettling. Yeah. 
Another one of the uh, sub-bosses that you'll find in a couple of levels at the, as the last boss of the level is Mauser. I don't like this guy. Well, I, I never liked this guy. I, I just He just seemed assholic. It's a he's mouse with sunglasses. all over the yeah. place. He's a dick. And yeah. uh, you got to avoid his bombs and then throw enough shit I think at him. partially I hate him because of his sunglasses. Like, he thinks he's cool. They're evil. Sun- he he yeah. thinks he's so good. Yeah. He's just like, look at me. I'm a big rat with sunglasses. <laughs> it's a mouse. Asshole. <laughs> Not as bad as piano, though, right? Yeah, piano. That okay. bastard. There's also this flying uh, ball of fire known as Fry Guy. What does it have to do with French fries? That's what I don't get by his name. <laughs> what is up. What is that about? Don't like it. And this jerk is <laughs> he's taking my fire flower, essentially. Like, he's yeah. just that. And then he has, like, baby Fry Guys, remember? Yeah. That you, like, after you almost beat him, there's, like, little babies and stuff. Yeah, he it's, explodes. It's and sh- shitty. It's a bunch of shit. Yeah. Now this this bullshit. <laughs> yeah. This is an annoying asshole. Is Triclide a three-headed cobra? Yeah, but you just throw blocks at him. He's he's more like know. he he feels more like Mauser in a sense. Yeah, but you hate Mauser. Yeah. Is it because Triclide's not wearing sunglasses? Yeah, that would piss you I off. I think right? that. Yeah, I think Triclide. I don't have an issue with him because he 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 doesn't he, think he's, he's good. He's just ugly, and he he and he kind of knows it. Like, you know, it's like I got three heads. Nothing else has three heads. Like, obviously, I'm weird, right? Like, he's just trying to, like, live, and you're in his way, you know? Mauser intentionally is like... Mauser's just a big jerk. We gotta be real here. Yeah, Mauser's an asshole. Yeah. And then uh, you'll find also on level Claw Grip. Yes, Claw Grip. A giant crab... Throwing rocks because crabs throw the rocks, you know. You know, it's kind that? of annoying. Yeah, but I don't not know. too Again, offensive, not, right? Not too offensive. Yeah, yeah. I feel like so. That's the thing with this game. I feel all, most of the sub bosses they aren't like bad. Well, it is like, sub con, so yeah. they're substandard. They are pretty substandard. Just saying. I feel like they want Triclide to be the most intimidating, but honestly, Mauser's kind of the biggest dick of them all. Mal- you think Mauser is, huh? Yeah. All right. Because throwing bombs, that's like it's a little erratic. Yeah, you know what I mean. Un- a little unpredictable, if yeah. you will, right? So I just want to mention here the uh, the worlds before we move on to the final boss. Here, there's seven, not eight, and there's three stages, not four. So world everything's one, weird in this game. Everything's a little bit less, right? Yeah. World one is a uh, grass based, and it's it got some of the more basic enemies. And Mauser is the final boss. Mm-hmm. World two, and I really like this, is the desert. Nighttime desert, you can plow your way through the sand in some of it's the levels. I think it's really cool. Triclide is the final boss. We're also introduced to Pokey and Cobrat in uh, World 2. World 3 is a waterfall slash caves motif, which, again, really cool. This level's cool. Beautiful-looking levels. They Again, they're Nintendo. This is Nintendo mm-hmm. design, this, so of course they are. Uh, you get Pidget on his carpet in this one, Albatross, Ostro, yeah. and Mauser is, uh, again, a the green final edition boss. Or something. Green ears. <laughs> God, he just thinks he's so damn cool, he right? He thinks he's great. Yeah, he's I, I, I don't like it. He like really is a piece. You, you nailed it. He's a piece. World 4 is the ice slash snow level, which would be a reuse, as would Desert, motif in later Mario game. Quarter. Right. Now, the ice, they, this introduces also the just the fact that the when flurry. you run on shit, yeah. it's like you, no control. It's like you're Luigi from Super Mario 2 in Japan. Yeah. Same thing. It's annoying. Uh, you also have a lot of the auto bombs here. And of course, because what else would melt ice? Fire. Fire is Fry Guy and his little baby Fry Guys and Fanto. Not of Fire Guy, Fry no. Guy. Fry for, Guy. For some reason. Fry Guy. Yeah. Because <laughs> it rhymes, Quinn. Yeah. Don't forget Fanto. Uh, World 5 is just nighttime and it's pretty difficult. The final boss is Claw Grip and his one and only appearance because he's 
very indescript queen. Yeah. He <laughs> is, right? Stage. Does anyone... <laughs> Why did they put him in the water stage? Instead, they put Mauser or whatever. This is another thing to mention about uh, Claw Grip. He actually was only in Super Mario 2. Uh, because Exclusive, baby. But you'll be happy to know, in uh, Doki Doki, instead of Claw Rip, there was a third white Mauser, not a gray one. Really? Even Nintendo of America is like, enough with the Mauser. He needed to be cut off. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, World 6 is desert again, more difficult, and Triclide is at the helm here. This right. feels like we're running out of ideas by this point. Another desert, really? Yeah, the dream is not, pro- the, the factory's not producing too many dreams at this point. Yeah. And then finally, World 7 only has two stages. They're both rather difficult. Sky. That's where you're in the, the, the sky. This is the game, the, the level, excuse me, where Mask Gate, which is uh, also known apparently as Bird Faces. That's what I call them, yeah. Bird Face. Uh, this is where Mask Gate will fight you right before you get to the end. Such a douchey move at the end of the game with the, with the like, ma- Mask Face. You made it this far? How does betrayal taste? Yeah. I don't know! Wart is the final boss, Quinn, and, and Wart is uh, seen by many as a poor substitute for Bowser. But Oh, he definitely is. But you need to remember, though, and, and he is, I agree with you, He's in the original game, so it's not right. like he's he's the final boss of uh, Yumi Kojo Doki Doki Panic. The problem, I think, when it got translated or ported here to the U.S. is that because he's a final boss and large and green, instant comparisons were made to Bowser. Well, right? see, here's the thing: is do you honestly think they could have just called him Bowser and nobody would have noticed? They would. <laughs> I don't know, Quinn. He looks a little different. I mean, he does have a crown. Yeah, but I mean, like the whole, all the graphics are different, so people just chalk it up to, oh, he just looks different in this one. Did you know yeah. that they they were together in the comics? Like Wart and Bowser made a like, couple honestly, of joint appearances. Would it surprise you if it was like revealed in canon at some point that they were like brothers or some shit? No, because he's a frog and Bowser's a dragon. They're both reptilian, Joe. Yeah, but that maybe cousins. Cousins, then. perhaps. Yeah. Jeez, brothers! Don't be starting rumors now. <laughs> Uh, maybe his brothers with King Koopa instead of Bowser. Stop. That's the same person and you know it. Uh, we're not going to relitigate that when you go back in the archives. But anyway, Wart, his problem, as a final boss, he's less threatening, in my opinion, than Bowser Quinn. Yeah. He is annoying because what it is is he sh- there's all these vegetables. He hates vegetables. Mm-hmm. They're shooting out of the dream factory or near the dream machine. Wait, is that, is that the most kid shit ever that he hates vegetables? Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> right. It's like, oh, he's just like a big kid. Big dumb kid. He opens his mouth really wide, and you got to keep getting those vegetables in there, man. You mm-hmm. got, I think, six hits or something he takes. It's going to really screw him up he's, if he has to eat these vegetables. He's a giant pain in the ass if you're playing him for the first time. How but funny is that? Giving him vegetables is what kills him. I love it. Yeah. And uh, his stage is like the only one where it's very different, and there's, like I said, the dream factory. Yeah, it's like a factory motif. Taken over, yeah. yeah. And the Fantos like, are in the background, but they just, don't do just, anything. Let's just threaten you with that. Yeah, that's annoying. By the way, anything involving the Phantos is extremely. The minute you annoying. see them, you're like, oh no! Fucking dicks. imagine. Imagine if they come to life, right? Like, if you keep fighting them longer, oh god, I wouldn't. That want sounds it. like a disaster. It sounds terrible. And that's basically the gist here. You beat the game, and Subcon is very thankful, and they carry Wart's dead carcass across the screen. Mario is he dead or just passed out because Nintendo? Because Nintendo. Yeah. yeah, we'll go with that answer. Yeah. And then Mario wakes up at the end, Quinn, and he he isn't sure if the whole thing was a dream. See, I would always... I figured that it was, and that was Nintendo's explanation for why the game was so bizarre and different. 
Me too. I thought that until I realized that, you know, later in life that this is just some weird palette swap shit. Yeah. Like, you know. It is. So as far as the game itself, I just want to state, I really, really like it. And again, I know <laughs> that's, it's polarizing even between the two of us. I, I love this game. I don't hate this game, Joe. I just think that, <sighs> I think I, over time, because I saw, you know, how future video games went with that, like, you know, this the more challenging stuff. Yeah. I find the original kind of weirdly ahead of its time. As far as an idea. And this just of its time? Of its time, yeah. Okay. Can I ask you this, though? Do you find... Are you thankful that we got this instead of... I am. Instead of Japan Super 2? I think, yeah, as a kid, definitely. It's more like as an adult, I respect a little bit more the original because of, like... It does weirdly pioneer that, like, hard shit. I guess, but from a graphical standpoint... Oh, yeah, I mean, Mario 2 looks better. This is mind-blowing for the time. Mario 2 America edition. Yeah, American edition. I think it's a good game. Folks, we want to know what you think. Did you like this one? Again, it's it's sometimes the red-headed stepchild, if you will. You know, sometimes it's the underdog. Yeah, it's it's pretty controversial, like this this one. It's it's almost like there's debate in the community. It's like, what's the true Mario 2, right? It's like... Yeah, I mean, canonically in the U.S. it's this, and canonically in Japan it is uh, Lost Levels, but... And I feel like now Nintendo seems to be weirdly split on, like, what the original 2 is or whatever. To me, this... it, only because all I mean to say is all like this is all it is. It's just like now they just treat them all like they're just part of the series, right? So it's just odd that like Lost Levels is not forgotten. True, no pun intended. It but, is not. You're yeah. right. That's fair. So let's get to the reception here in the United States again. This is the fall of 1988, about three years after it hit New York. The first mm-hmm. game, I mean, as we stated at the top, it was huge. This was the number one selling Nintendo Entertainment System game Quinn for count them 14 months straight makes sense all just like of, just like the other one yep yeah. all of 89 yeah the rest of 88 this, all of 89 this to me is like an unsurprising bestseller yeah. right because it's just like Super Mario Brothers 2 yeah like it's like a dream come true like a for dream, a kid a dream factory come yeah. true yeah stop would you think though that the sequel would have been as successful here in the US if they released the Japanese version I do not sir I do not sir I'll say this I think it would have sold well yeah but not this I don't know if it would have lasted because the the, 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 uh, the rumors would get out on the playground how freaking hard it was could and be it, like uh, screw this crap it could have hampered or damaged the franchise Quinn the burgeoning franchise I don't think they would have not made Mario 3 as it was first of all no, I really think they would have just, it would have still come out anyway. Probably developing it already anyway. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I still, I think it would have just been like, what people's memory would be that like, wow, Super Mario Bros. 2 was just like so much better. Yeah. It was like so, so much better than like 2. Even, even, more, yeah. even more than so much better it already is. Like it would True. be, that's what would really happen. I don't think it would have killed the franchise because ultimately. killed, but you know. Ultimately, if you have no awareness of Doki Doki Panic, like if that's how, how it all went down. Yeah. You would have just taken what they were going to give you. Yeah, you know? I guess so. But that's what they thought when they made E.T. the game also. Yeah, but it's only two. It's not like it's not excessive. I know. I agree. Know? This is the best-selling Nintendo game that was never packed in with anything. 7.4 million copies, Michael Quinn. As far as a legacy, you know, we were talking as we went through the enemies, Quinn. Some of them carried over. The Shy Guy, the Pokey, the Babam, yeah, uh, Ninji. I find it interesting that because these enemies had the weird, like, pick-em-up 
crap. Yeah. That a lot of them got associated with Yoshi and his mechanics. Do you find that interesting? I guess because Yoshi stands on certain enemies and... I don't know why they chose that. I think because of the eating aspect, it just worked out better or something, especially the cactus guy. Well, think about it, Quinn. In Super Mario World, they took a little bit of this in the sense that you can stand on enemies without uh, killing them. You have to spin jump on a lot of enemies to kill them. Some enemies. Some. Some. Not Not all. all. Some. And there's shy guys in World Original. I think there Mm, is, like, in the later stages, I want to say. Just two, right? I think it's just two. In Super Mario Brothers World 2, Yoshi's Island, like, they're shy guys fucking That's what I mean. They're, like, the main enemy. You know what they use? They did it on purpose. Because baby Mario knew them as a kid, and that's why he dreamed about them. Ah. Because it's a prequel. Uh, Some other things that this game carried on was uh, Luigi, like we said, having a different sprite, being taller. That doesn't happen immediately because of limitations. But when that does happen, this is the model they use. Like, that height differential and... Always the differences between Mario and Luigi were kind of established here. Yeah. Right? Princess was canonized in pink. Right. Because remember, white dress in the other one. I think ultimately it got... It gave a little more character to the princess as like just in general a character. Well, it was also really cool, yeah, that she wasn't just a damsel in distress, right? Right. You got to play as her. Uh, And some elements of this, which we will talk about in the next episode, I'm sure, were used in the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Yes. Uh, That show, which is a classic, and there's not that many. It seems like there were tons of episodes. There's not. It was barely on for that long. Uh, Lou Albano and Danny Wells as Mario and Luigi. The live action stuff is stupid and fun, and the cartoon version is a weird mix of things from Super Mario 2 and 1, because like Bowser is in it as King Koopa. Right. But Mauser is in it. It's weird. And there's enemies from two. And then and later carpets. they like upgrade the cartoon to three. Yes. And then later they upgrade the cartoon to world. Yeah, they do. Like there's just it, like they keep just going with it. And we will get those mentioned uh, in yeah. future episodes, folks. So obviously, Super Mario 2 was re released f- as part of Super Mario All Stars in 93 with the graphical upgrade. Yeah. I think we also, there's another aspect we kind of glossed over earlier, but I think it's important. What? This was the cover game to the first Nintendo Power. Yes, right? it was. It's that's like, a great that's, point. That, that's to be remembered about its launch. That is a great with weirdly colored Mario, right? They Wasn't used like, a clay, they used claymation. Um, it was a special yeah. like it was a special like well, photo shoot thing where yeah. they like they're like Mario Two's out or whatever, and it was like a claymation version. Yeah, but I think it's like very much remembered as far as how this game was like marketed and, and Launched, shown. basically, yeah. yeah. You're right. It's the first issue of Nintendo Power. Right. Which was a huge magazine for them. I mean, right. th- gangbusters. Man, that was, to me, the first taste of like, wow, this is like behind the scenes of the yeah. games. And like, oh, what do people think of them? And Nintendo's stuff, right? making the magazine? Yeah. yeah. It was pretty cool. It's weird that we thought that that was like made it official, even though that makes it just an advertisement. It's fucking propaganda. Yeah, that's what it makes like, it. Every Nintendo game's great. Yeah. And then they would like somewhat give bad ratings to certain Nintendo games just to like almost like seem like they were like, oh, this is like a real yeah. magazine. You know what I mean? Would, Try to get some kind of cred. Yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah, oh, we gave this Nintendo game a seven instead of like Ooh. the usual. Like Ooh, nine or ten or whatever yeah. we do, right? Um, not only All Stars, but this was also released for the Game Boy Advance much later, and uh, in Japan itself in the year 1992 as Super Mario USA. So I guess one last note here. Again, folks, we're going to want to hear your thoughts about Super Mario Bros. 2. Did you play it when it came out? I played it in 1990. I mean, right. I wasn't old enough to play. I guess I was marginally old enough to play video games in 88, but I didn't. Played it in 90. Really liked it. Still like it. Hard, but not, not that challenging. Right. 
Right. I mean, it's a little challenging, but it's not that hard. It's easier of the original ones. I think so. Yeah. Uh, but I always liked it. I want to f- hear, folks, if you liked it or not, do that on Twitter at AWM Podcast and join our group. But I, one last note here. This game, Super Mario Brothers 2, was released in September of 1988 in the United States of America. And at that exact same time over in Japan, another Mario game was just about to be released that would be even more well-received uh-huh. than this one. But that, of course, is a story for another time. Yes. Folks, thank you so much for being with us here. We really do hope you enjoyed this. And if you did, please leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. We will be back next week for something completely different. Not Mario. Not Mario. Ever like, where is it? It'll be coming eventually. But until that time, we thank you so much for being with us here. I am Joe Morata. That is Michael Quinn. And we will see you next week for more Acid Washed Memories. See ya. Like what you heard? Be sure to leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We will see you next week. We'll see you next week.